almighty and everlasting God. We thank you for the privilege of this day. We thank you for bringing us together in this holy sanctuary. As we meditate, O Lord, as we go through your word in this day of Advent, may the joys, may the expectations, may the longings of meeting thee, eternal King of kings, be our portion, O Lord. May we be prepared and fit to meet and rejoice with you eternally. At the end of this world surgeon, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I wish all of us happy Advent. And I want to say that this special day is special in the life of the Christian church. Because it is the beginning of the church year. Particularly in Christianity of the Western tradition. And Advent begins from the fourth Sunday before Christmas. And it's usually the Sunday nearest to November 30th. And it ends on Christmas Eve. And so the word Advent simply means coming or arrival. Now, context context of Christianity. This is the coming of Christ as foretold in the scriptures and as promised. Luke chapter 1, reading from 26 through 38 and also Matthew 1, 8 through 25. We will see the we were told about the arrival, the coming, the birth of Christ. And in Isaiah 9, particularly at verse 6, we were told about a king that will be given, a son, who will come to the world and whose kingdom shall have increase. And so the focus of Advent Sunday is a preparation for the celebration of the birth of Christ in his first coming as infant Jesus and the anticipation of the return of Christ, the King, in the second advent. Now, if we look at the place that was read this morning and from which we take our text, St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, uh, from verse 30. And indeed, if we read the entire chapter, we will discover that a lot was said about the coming of Christ. About the signs and wonders, the signs of the times. About wars, about earthquakes, about all sorts of phenomena that will take place. And yet, The time is not yet at that point. But all these are to put us in the state of preparedness. And if the word of God has foretold in the Bible about Christ comes through. 
and they have been made manifest. And we are told that not a word of God will pass without fulfillment. Not one will pass. The heaven and earth can pass away, but not a word of God will pass away without fulfillment. That's in verse 35. And in 36 we are told that nobody really knows the exact time of Christ's coming. But we have this expectation, this longing of Christ's coming at this period of Advent to liberate our people. How do we prepare? Is Advent a mere ritual of symbolic colorations? If we look around, we see the purple, the sanctuary dressed in purple, and the royalty of a king that is expected. Do we just have it as a symbolic commemoration of 2,000 years of old historical events? The answer is certainly not. Advent is not a mere symbolic celebration. It is a celebration of truth. A reality about God. The revelation of God in Christ. Whereby all creations might be reconciled to God. Advent also provides us an opportunity of doing some sober reflections. Of preparing for accountability, for faithfulness at the coming of Christ. Of judgment of our sins and in sinful nature. And then our hope of eternal life. So because Advent focuses on a dual or double event of first, the first advent of the coming of infant Jesus. And the second advent symbolized by the spiritual journey of individual and congregation as we affirm that Christ has come. That Christ is present in the world today and Christ will certainly come again. Now this acknowledgement now provides us the basis for holy living and a call to faithful stewardship with the hope of redemption. If we look at scriptures like John 14, particularly verses 1 to 3, therein we are told not to be bothered, not to Despair, not to allow our spirits to go cold. Because the Lord Jesus is going to somewhere that is wonderful to prepare a place for us. And then to come back in glory and in power to also take us to that glorious place. Is that our expectation this morning? Are we prepared to meet the Lord in this period of Advent? And so the Advent is marked by a spirit of expectation, of anticipation, of preparation, and of longing. 
longing to see our Lord. Longing to have solution to a lot of problems that confront us. As we pass through the vicissitudes of the life that we live in. The difficulties, the challenges in family living, marriage, employment, in academics and school, and eventually all aspects of our lives. In taxman's harassment, in denial of rights, in extrajudicial killings that is getting so rampant in Nigeria. And even of late, in Christians being denied even the right to practice their religion and perpetuate their faith. People are attacked. Look around in Nigeria, in various parts of the country. And when you see the attacks concentrated in places like Southern Kaduna, where we know we have concentration of Christians, and governments pass legislations and ban people from preaching the gospel, from exercising their faith, and from obeying the great commission that we have, that we know that certainly things are not moving well in Nigeria and in some other parts of the world. So as Christians, what do we do? We will hold on to our faith. And we will hold on to hope. However faint at times. And we will look forward to God. And look up to Him. However distant He seems sometimes. Because in life, Sometimes we look eagerly forward to immediate solutions to our problems. We look eagerly forward, like the Christians of old. You remember in the wilderness, the Israelites, the Israelites and uh, the murmurings, the lack of patience, the lack of waiting on the Lord. It is still something that appears to be with us. We want immediate solutions, immediate uh, delivery from whatever uh, our problems are. And we want it set in our way that it must be done the way we want. And then we begin to ask ourselves, is that the quality of hope that the Advent provides unto us? For those who are anticipating to meet the King of Kings, the Anointed One, a Messiah, who is also called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This was told in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Those who look up to that omnipotent creator of all mankind, should we waver because of existential challenges? Should our faith go dim? Should our hope in looking up to Jesus be clogged by the existential realities that we face? Now, in all Eastern Orthodox churches, the season of Advent has always had been a time of fasting. And penitence for sin. Just as in Lent. But this is essential in the life of a Christian. 
it is essential that we fast. It is essential that we remain in prayers. But Advent has also gradually become or come to be celebrated more in terms of expectations and anticipation of the great Messiah, of the visitation to the demands of the Christian. So if we look at the life of the Israelites, even in their persecution in Egypt, by the taskmasters, by the authorities, the tyrants of the mighty empires of those days, we saw that in their suffering, God was faithful to listen to them. And if we go to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, see that God indeed realized their sufferings and resolved to visit them and to give a solution to those um, challenges. And if God is an unchanging God as we all believe, is there anything that burdens our hearts that is so big that this Almighty, that we look forward to meeting in a great expectation, cannot, cannot solve for us and cannot resolve in our favor. And so rather than being a period, a time of groaning, a time of lamentation for the multifarious problems that confront us, Advent is celebrated as a time of joy, great joy and happiness as we await the coming of the Messiah. It is a time when we look forward to meeting the Messiah and we do this marked in meditative prayers. Prayers of devotion and commitment of submission, of deliverance, prayers from working in darkness and awaiting and anticipating the great light as was promised in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. Those who walk in darkness shall see a great light. And that light is the Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was and is and is to come. The spirit of Advent is captured. Also, if we look at the teachings of God, the expectations as manifested in the parable of the ten virgins, as they look forward to the bridegroom, there is the need to have expectations. There is also a greater need to make a preparation that is worthy of that expectation. Because the parable tells us in Matthew 25 from verse 1 to 13, we are familiar with it, of the need to be in constant preparation. If we deviate from that, nobody knows, as we have seen in scriptures, particularly um, where we read in the gospel, again, Matthew 24, if we look at verse um, 36, it says that nobody knows the day or even the hour that the Lord will come. Not even the angels in heaven. It is only known to God the Father. And so, 
as we live our lives, we must also be in constant meditation. Our brothers in the Roman Catholic Church will say, in being in a state of grace. And in Igbo they say, in being in aqua gracia. So we have to always be in tune with the word of God, with guidance from the scriptures. Even how we look forward to the coming of our Lord. And sing the prayer of come, O come Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Come, O come Almighty Father, and help us and redeem us from our existential worries that confront us. And so what is the attitude, what is the type of hope that is expected of us? And what are the possibilities that the Advent offers us? Now, we live in a world where we tend to set goals for ourselves, set paradigms of bigger and better expectations. Everybody wants it big. We want to be big stars. We want to be superstars. Supersize, magnified expectations. These are what we want as human beings. And we seem not to look at humble things, humble beginnings. Many big people today, many professors, started as primary school students. Many businessmen started small. But sometimes we tend to despise those, you know, um, days of uh, small beginnings. As Prophet Zechariah reminds us, Zechariah 4.10, that we should not despise those small beginnings. God works in ways that tend to amaze human beings. Because sometimes the instruments that God uses are not the biggest in size. They are not the most adequate in terms of our human judgments. Look at, for instance, David, who was used to defeat the mighty Goliath. And you can see from human understanding the mismatch. But yet, God fulfilled his purpose. Abraham at a time appeared to have some doubts as to the realization of the child of promise. Yes, Abraham turned out to be the father of the faithful. Is it people like Samson? The womanizing drunk? And several other examples. So, God does not set to manifest himself in things that are already perfect. In things that are already taken for granted, yes. So that we don't glory in our own strength. We don't say it is us that have done that. So, God uses small things and inadequacy and people that are not too adequate to manifest his might and to show his power. So, if we consider ourselves not too adequate, and we consider ourselves 
often too unwise and often lacking in faith. Are we not in a position to humble ourselves, to make ourselves willing tools for God's use, even at this period of Advent? So that as we long in expectation, it will be that God, even me, will consider me worthy of serving and helping in the extension of his kingdom here on earth. So, one of the main purposes of incarnation of Jesus was to provide hope, putting in focus and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope it establishes, the hope of a new beginning. The hope of Advent, as in Lent, is just hope for a better day, or hope for the, is not hope for a better day, nor is it a hope for the lessening of pain and suffering, although that is a significant part of our hope. The hope of Advent is more about a hope that human existence has meaning and possibility beyond our present experience. A hope that the limits of our lives are not as narrow as we experience them to be. In other words, our hopes must not be anchored or situated in the circumstance of our existence. In the circumstance of the worries that confront us. In the circumstance of the vicissitudes that we face. Yes. It may seem sometimes that if one has not lost a dear one, he may not really know what the reality of that loss may be. Friends will come sympathize with you. People will come tell you the words of God. But they will not continue to live with you. They will live in the hope that you will be emboldened by the word of God. Somebody who has not lost a spouse, for instance, may not fully appreciate. He will know, really, that is a big loss. But may not fully appreciate the purport. It is him who experiences it. When he wakes up, he sees that his kitchen is not attended to. That the things that the spouse used to do are lying, waiting to be attended. Somebody, for instance, who has not experienced a divorce may not appreciate the devastating effect of it. Somebody who God has blessed in marriage and he takes for granted that once you marry, you procreate and have children may not fully appreciate or understand the reality of somebody who is equally married, but for years has not heard the noise, the cry of a child. These are realities. But we feel emboldened that our hope is not anchored in the present circumstance of our existence. And because the King of Kings lives, our hope is anchored on something of a higher order. 
It is that we have possibility in ourselves. It is, n- it is not that we have possibilities in ourselves as human beings of our own. But that God is God. And God is a God of new things. That is captured in Isaiah 42 and verse 9. Our God is a God of new things. And so with God, all things are possible. Our hope must be built on that God of possibilities. As we see in Matthew 19, verse 26, Matthew 14, verse 36. So the reality of human existence, with which if we look at the book of Job, we'll find a lot of these struggles. God's people also experience the physical existence, the challenges in this sense that others who are not Christians experience. Christians, even medical doctors who are Christians, some of them die out of sickness. Some of them are killed in violent crimes. Some of them, their heads are beheaded. They are beheaded for the sake of the gospel. Some of them die in accidents, motor accidents. Some die in air crashes, in shipwrecks. We perhaps remember Achidikin Dennis, the man whom my alma mater, Dennis Memorial Grammar School, was named after. He perished in the seas doing God's work. Yet the translation of the Hebrew Bible that they had did not sink. It continued to stay afloat the waters and was retrieved for the benefit of, of the extension of the kingdom of God. And for us who use the Bible. And so let us not think that because we are Christians, we do not confront challenges of life. We do not confront existential realities. But the point remains that we have hope. We have hope in the Almighty. We have hope of the Advent. The first to receive the infant Jesus. The quintessence of perfection. The anointed one. And by his death and resurrection. To rekindle our hope in the reception of the second advent. In the expectancy that when he comes, we would have been ready to meet him. If our hope is founded on the circumstances of our present life. In the challenges that we have, and we tend to despair, then we will continue to be disappointed as God has continually, over the years, revealed Himself to be a God of newness, of possibilities, of redemption beyond what we think or what we can even imagine. These are replete in several scriptures. But the popular one, which appeals to me, is 
in Ephesians 3.20 where it is said that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The critical question is what power worketh in you? What power worketh in me? What is that power upon which our hope is anchored? Our hope is anchored on the fact that because Christ died, Christ rose again. Christ is with us and Christ will come as King Triumphant. We have this hope. In Advent, we contemplate a hope embodied and fresh incarnated in a newborn baby as we soon be witnessing during Christmas. This is the quintessence of newness, of potentials, and of possibilities. And this, as we have already seen with God, is possible. In Advent 2, we groan and long for that newness with the hope, the expectation, indeed the faith that God will once again be faithful to see our circumstances, to hear our cries, to show, to know our longings for a better world and a whole life. Just as he saw the afflictions and heard the cries of the Israelites under Egyptian bondage. And he attended to them, as we saw in Exodus 3 7. As I said, we, those who experience things, and hold on, and hold on to this hope. Hold on to their faith. Even at times that it seems that they don't have a present evidence of that. That is the hallmark of our faith. As in, in Hebrews 11, we see that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That is the faith that we must have when we pass through difficult times. It is a way to live, not just to survive, but to live authentically amidst all the experiences of life. Realizing that just because God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. We know that we are reassured on this. Revelations 1 verse 8. As well as Revelations 22 verse 13. 
God is everlasting. He, he is He who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty God. The assurance that we have. In Isaiah 44 verse 6. And so as we look more closely at the texts of Matthew 24 verse 35. We see that we are reminded that heaven and earth shall pass away. But not a word of God shall pass away without fulfillment. It behoves on us to realize that since it was foretold that Christ will come, the Redeemer of the world, and he was fulfilled, and that he came and shed his life and died for us, shed his blood on the cross. He resurrected and that resurrection power is still mighty to this day. And our hope is that at our meeting with him, we shall also have this power with him. How then do we meet him? Are we in a state of preparedness? As in verse 36, we are told that nobody even knows except God that the time, the hour, and the day of his coming. We are told to pray and to fervently put ourselves in a position that we will be considered worthy of meeting God. In verse 42 of that chapter 24, that is where the exhortation comes, that we should pray. We remember that prayers is what we are enjoying to do all the time. We should pray. We shouldn't lose hope. We should constantly pray. If you go to verse 43, we'll realize that even a mighty man who is caught off guard will not be able to do much. And so if a mighty man, an owner of a place, a premises, knows when the thieves will come and fortifies his defense, he will be in a position to do more. They will be in a position to repel external attack. That is what we are told in that, in that uh, particular verse. And in verse 44, it reminds us that we have always to be prepared. And that is a reminder to me and to many who were in the Boy Scouts movement. Our motto is be prepared. You can be called up at any time. There's a blowing of the whistle and you're already at a lot. Can we, at the sound of a whistle, be prepared, ready to meet the Lord? How prepared are we? So while we live in the period between two advents, we are to live in a way that follows the example of Jesus, the righteous one who had no fault. The man who prayed, even for those who hated him. And he begged forgiveness of those who persecuted him. Those who pierced the sword, drew it into his uh, bosom. 
Yet he prayed God to forgive them, for they knew not what they do. So at this his first coming, we live by the examples of Christ. And in this way, we spread the rule and reign of heaven over the earth and help prepare the way for the second coming of Christ. We have already taken Second Peter 1, Second Peter chapter 3, where we read in the, in the um, epistle. And if we look particularly at verses 9 and 10, it gives us a guide. A guide as to our preparedness. A guide as we get ourselves ready to meet the Lord. But I want us to particularly read Titus 2, look at verses 11 to 14. Praise the Lord. So if we use it as guide, and we keep to the tenets of the teachings of the word, and we pray fervently and anchor our hope on looking up to God, who knows us, even before we were conceived, even before we were created, he knew. And in our circumstance, he knows. If we unwaveringly anchor our hope in him and shun the distractions and the trappings of the world, what will be on our way to having a joyous and glorious meeting for Jesus at this period of Advent? Are we ready? To receive him, who is, and was, and is to come. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we have a living hope. He who came before will come again in glory to take us home, to be with you forever, where he has prepared a place, a mansion, where we will be, and never and ever grieve. May this hope keep us alive, continually living, prepared for your coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we have a hope that because it was promised of Jesus and he came in fulfillment of promises. Lord, all that pertain to us, according to your words and your promises are ye and amen. You will fulfill those desires of us. That according to your will in our lives without fail in the name of Jesus. None of your word falls to the ground without fulfillment. And therefore this expectation that Jesus will come. And he came in the flesh. He come, he came in the form of a servant. And he came taking our sins upon him. And Jesus came fulfilling it. The same way Lord, all that are burdens, all that are cares, all that are anxieties, you also have said, as we cast our care upon you, we know that you will take care of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Our hope is that we will not weather, we will not waver, we will not remove our focus and trust from you, that our firm foundation will remain in you in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore we are assured, therefore we are comforted, therefore we are strengthened, no matter our present conflict, 
that your presence is with us, O God, and that you will come to our hope and even right that early in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for our burdens that you lift up. Thank you for expectations that you meet. And thank you, Lord Almighty, that everyone here will be ready. Lord, from everywhere we have sought shelter, everywhere we have sought refuge, everywhere we have sought help, everywhere we have looked up to that is not right, as you have admonished us this morning to come back to you, to look up unto you, to look up for our redemption draws near. Lord, may our hope and our confidence and our faith be seen restored in you in the name of Jesus Christ. May we be ready for your coming. Not only as we celebrate Christmas, a commemoration of your first coming. We're ready for the harvest of the saints that come in glory, that we will be with you evermore, and none here will leave, Lord, outside your will, to all be gathered of you, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray.